Good to be with you. Grab your Bibles. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. As they're doing this, uh, I usually jump right in it, but Marcus was kind enough to remind me. I thought it was very kind of him to tell you about tomorrow night. If you've not been with us on Thursday nights, I just want to uh, invite you. I'm in the chapel with the team that I work with, and we actually have been uh, literally uh, training people on discovering uh, three aspects of their Christian walk, which is one, their identity in Christ. Two, how passion or zeal is released inside of them. And three, how to discover the vision that God has given you and be given very practical steps to walking it out. Um, interesting enough, I, I was sitting here thinking about, we've been doing this for quite a while, both here and in different parts of the United States, teaching on this stuff. And um, I was thinking of all the people that have come through the classes as we've done it. We've had people that have uh, started businesses. We've had people that have gone into uh, political careers. We've had people be trained to be ministers. It's just, think about this, a lot of us come to the Lord Jesus Christ and we serve, but most of us have never had someone take the time to help us develop what we're actually called to do and how to do that well. And so this is what this course is on Thursday night. We actually really spend a lot of time just kind of work through the nuts and bolts of what your personal destiny is and how to actually get on fire for it and then create a community around you so that you can accomplish that. So if you're interested in that, 7 o'clock tomorrow night in the chapel, we will be teaching on that. And I invite you to come. If you, if you think, well, I don't know if I'm interested, just try it out. I, I bet you'll be surprised at all the good things the Lord has for you. So that's that. Let's go ahead and pray before we look at the Word. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Father, we just turn our hearts to you this evening. And we, out of your great love, we ask that you would come right now. We turn this service over to you and say, you be Lord of what we're going to do this evening. We declare as a group of people, not our will, but your will be done. Any area in my life or in our lives as we listen to your word, if you need to shine a light into some area of our life where we need to respond, we welcome you to do that. We say, this is your time to be with us, so speak through me, Lord. Train us in your ways and give us your blessing as we look at your word. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 and 20 is where I'm going to be starting, but as you're turning there, I'm going to introduce chapter 3 to you. Uh, last month when I was here, um, I taught on chapter 2. And the foundation of chapter 2 is the power of God. And Paul starts addressing with the Corinthians about different world, different sets of worldviews, how people view the kingdom of God and the system of the world. And now he's even going in into greater detail, but he's in chapter 3, he's starting to now begin to give contrast so people can understand. It's not enough to just say, well, you shouldn't be in the system of the world. You have to have someone... Uh, say, well, this is what the system of the world looks like. So in the beginning of chapter 3, Paul is now starting to say, so what makes you, what's one example that makes you live in the system of the world? And he begins to describe it. He says, when believers start worshiping different ministers, they're now in the system of the world because God has given ministers or people to train you. You have all things in Christ. The, the ministers come to serve you. You're the focal point of Jesus not the minister. And so when we rally around different ministers or different people, Paul is saying, so when I say I'm of Apollos and 
Paul and stuff. He says that kind of thinking is an example of the system of the world. When you're saying my group's better than your group or my teacher's better than your teacher or my prophet's better than your prophet, that's how the system of the world thinks. The system of the world tries to raise people up and then divide people and someone's better than someone else. As I was introducing last month, I started talking about Paul begins to introduce the idea of how important the power of God is and how important it is to recognize your weakness. Well, now Paul is saying, not only do you need to understand that as a foundation, you need to understand that how you think moving forward is going to either reflect the system of the world or the kingdom of God. And so think about this. When you and I get saved, Jesus does the work inside of us to bring us to salvation. When we're ready to go and spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ, but how we think from the moment we get saved until that day, that's part of what the kingdom of God is starting to, trying to help us walk into. God doesn't give this to us instantly. He, he commands us to pursue wholeness in our lives and begin to renew our mind. And so this is, this is something that ministers talk to the body of Christ about a lot because a lot of us are defeated not because of what Jesus has done on the cross, but by how we think about the work that Jesus has done on the cross. Any area that we live in fear or we're defeated, we're actually caught in the system of the world, and Jesus actually wants to break us free from that. And so the... the, the letter here in the Corinthians is trying to give you a contrast. What does a believer think about, or, or what does it mean to actually live by faith? What is that, that idea? How do I think and live by faith? And so Paul is now working through here in, ch- in chapter 3, verse 18. I've come to a passage where he's now talking about what's the end of this kind of thinking, because he needs to actually address it. What, what's going to ultimately happen if you stay in this system and refuse to allow your mind to go through the training process that the Holy Spirit is working on you with the power of the gospel. What is going to be the end of that for you, your family, or anybody that is refusing to go through this, this maturation process or this, this what the scripture called the sanctification process of renewing of your mind? What ends up being the reality? And so here we're now going to pick it up in the passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, and that means of this age, the thought of the wise, they are futile. Now, what is he trying to actually do? Well, I think it's very important for us to actually start developing what is he saying here. So let's just start breaking it apart and looking at it. Let no one deceive himself. So is, could, isn't this amazing? Can believers actually know the Lord Jesus Christ and deceive themselves? Oh, thanks, Jar. So you guys ready? It's not hard. It, when you give yourself back to the system of the world, which we're going to now develop, you can intentionally deceive yourself. And let me say this. This isn't a general word for deception. It's being very specific in its idea of deceiving themselves. Okay, and I'll explain what the idea of the deception is. But it's asking, don't let anyone deceive themselves. So this isn't something that someone is bringing towards you. The Bible is now saying, because of the power of God that's residential inside of you, because you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, you now have the spirit of truth living in you. 
Because you have the spirit of truth living in you, you have to actually allow deception to come into your thought patterns to come in your life again. It doesn't just be inside of you because you're not redeemed, and it also comes from the outside. Now it comes from the outside, and if you entertain certain patterns of thoughts, you will deceive yourself. So the Bible's saying you don't have to be deceived. You don't have to live in the system of this world that way. And so he begins to contrast. What does it mean to be deceived? Now, the idea, isn't this interesting? The word for deception in the New Testament means this. It's actually interesting. It means to, be, it means to bring someone to a bait and hook them. Now, that's what deception means, to bring to a bait and hook them. So... What brings us to, what is a bait for a believer in his thinking that can hook him to become deceived? When you start looking at what we call the contrast of the system of the world and the kingdom of God, there's several different categories you can put it in, but I'm going to try to make it simple this evening. How, what's the hook the enemy uses so that we will buy into the system of the world and be deceived by it? It all has to do with Longings in your hearts and needs you have in your life and how you're going to meet those. Longings in your heart. Now, this is important. God has not made you self-sufficient. Every person on this planet has longings. Longings to be accepted. Longings to be loved. Longings to be secure. There's nothing wrong with those. God has made them that he's the source of those. Now, he's trying to give a contrast. What's the bait that's given to this system of the age that can hook them so that they're deceived? What's the same thing that a Christian has to be aware of? There's nothing wrong with those longings. I want security. I want wholeness. I want to be accepted. I want to be loved. I want to be valued. God has made mankind to have those. That is normal longings that everybody in every age will have. You cannot repent yourself past those longings. The point is, is how do you get those longings satisfied is what the bait is used to hook people into deception. Here's the highest form of deception in this passage. If you think you can get those needs met by people's wisdom or by you getting it outside of a relationship with the Lord giving this to you, you've deceived yourself. You cannot meet, isn't this amazing, the longing for acceptance And you see this all the time in the system of the world. This is why if some people strive for political careers or acting careers or singing careers, they're longing to be accepted by a lot of people because they believe, if I have a lot of people like me, I'll like myself. They're trying to meet a longing by using people who cannot touch that longing. They think the volume of people like me, then I'll have this longing met. And that's a form of being deceived. There is nothing in this system of the world or in the natural realm that can meet a spiritual longing that God has created that only he can meet. And so you have these longings. Now the bait that brings people in deception is the idea that you can do it self-sufficiently or that someone else can meet this need. Now, do you guys hear me? Think about this. A lot of people, these are natural longings you and I have to be accepted, to be loved, to have security, all those things. 
If we try to find them in people, and you can see this in human relationships, when I try to get a person to meet that need that only God can meet, not only do I bring myself in deception, I'm trying to draw something from somebody that has no life to meet that need, and I put pressure on that, and that draws me into what the system of the world produces in people's lives. Deception has an effect. It really does affect your soul. So this is why Paul is starting to address this. Deception isn't just the way you think. It baits you, and the end of the bait causes an effect inside of you that you really don't want to step into. Let's keep moving on in the passage. So it says, don't deceive yourself. And he says, don't think yourself wise in this age. Become a fool so that you may become wise. And then he says, the wisdom of this world is folly. Now, you'll be excited about this. The Greek word here for folly is moros, where we get moron. And it literally means, not to be insulting, uh, moros or moron is where we get the word for being dull, not having the ability to perceive. And so the scripture here is now beginning to say the wisdom of this age is folly. Why? Because they have no ability to perceive what's reality among them. They literally, in a sense, live in different, uh, what we call bubbles of deception, where they think that's reality, but because they have no depth in them, or they have no truth grounding them, what happens is they just go from one system of folly to another, where they have no ability to perceive. Now, isn't this good to know? Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, When he takes residence inside of us, he's not asking us to be full of wisdom and full of discernment. He's asking us to walk with him so he can break the power of folly inside of us. Now, you guys remember the gospel says that none of us were, God, Jesus didn't choose us because we were the wisest of everybody. He chose the foolish to do what? Shame or demonstrate the wisdom of God. Because God can take a fool and make him a prince in his kingdom because of the truth of God's wholeness and presence in his life. And so what's the wisdom of this world? The Bible's basically trying to be straightforward with you. It's telling you uh, it's folly or it, it doesn't communicate what we call true value. Now, by the way, when you and I are living in the system of the world, I don't know if you guys ever do this. You go to work just like I do. We go out and hang out in the culture. What is the culture trying to produce in your life and in my life and the way we think about things? We're always trying to find a group to be accepted by, or we're always trying to succeed, whatever we call success. And what that does is that that shows a lack of um, sharpness or truth understanding inside of us. These things that the culture longs for really don't have what we call any eternal value in them, and they don't really have uh, what we call a depth to them. They're really just surface-oriented, and we're trying to, again get people to look at us a certain way, whether we even like them or want to have a relationship with them. We're trying to impress for the wrong reasons. And the Bible is just trying to be straightforward. That's folly. That's, that's wrong thinking. Don't go down that road. It'll, and I think the Bible's kind of kind to us to explain this. Living in folly is where it wears you out. It literally causes you to be depressed because you're striving towards something that is not attainable. So the Bible is trying to be straightforward with you. You know, guys, when I first came to the Lord, the most exciting thing about coming to Jesus wasn't just meeting him and know I had salvation. It was known that I was actually broken free from what I'd call the fear of man. 
trying to impress everybody. Did you guys ever live like that? And then think about who is it we're trying to impress? And why are we spending so much time trying to do whatever we're doing to impress people when most of the time we don't even have a relationship with them and some of the time we don't even like them? So why are we trying to impress them? It's just a weird system. And when the Lord broke me free from that, it was amazing how I realized there was freedom for the first time in my soul to stop worrying about whoever I thought I was trying to impress. Jesus can break you free from that. The next one, let's keep moving on in the passage. It says this, For it is written, now he's quoting an Old Testament scripture, He catches the wise in their craftiness. Now, uh, interesting enough, to catch uh, this word catch in the original language, it's really interesting. It literally means put someone, <laughs> it's a wrestling move. It's an idea of wrestling someone. It's literally locking a person up. So God's telling you that here's how he catches people in the system of the world. When they refuse to live in righteousness, God doesn't have to do something active. All he has to do is take his hand off and it catches them in something. What does it catch them in? Craftiness. Now, craftiness is a really interesting word. Sometimes, you guys ever heard, the, uh, today probably emphasize it, you guys ever heard the word witchcraft? Well, that's where we get the word craftiness. Now, if I know that you guys have studied witchcraft, right? The original word in the Hebrew. The, the word for witchcraft in the original Hebrew, um, it means, um, the idea of witchcraft is, um, it's used to create an idea of creating bondage or creating what they call a knot. And so when they use the word witchcraft, it's connected with a concept of the word knot tying. Now that's the same word for craftiness here. Why is that being used in this idea? Well, the idea of craftiness carries the idea of people that are actually hungry for the system of the world, it actually consumes them. So they're caught in a system that actually has an ability to catch them and then actually consume them in that, and so they'll actually become sick of it. Isn't that interesting? A lot of times, you guys like I am, I'm always trying to present the gospel to people and tell them how much God loves them. And that works a lot of the time, but sometimes people actually want to know where this, this thing they're pursuing is going to lead them. And so when you can't hear the message of love, sometimes God brings you into a season where he just lets you have what you want and let it produce the fruit that it does inside the soul of people. Um, I've met people that have come to the Lord, and they couldn't hear anything about the love of God, but when they heard that they could be set free from the things that they thought they wanted, they actually came to the Lord because of that. They wanted to be set free from the effect that has happened as they've lived in a lifestyle of just being in the system they've been in. Jesus actually catches people in that on purpose to make them sick of it so they'll be, want to be set free to meet a Savior. And so he's saying, in God's wisdom, he catches them in this. Now look at this. It says, the Lord knows the thoughts of the, the wise, and he means the system of the world. So here we are again with the Lord actually being straightforward with you and I and saying he knows exactly what's going on with people. Now, for you and I as believers, uh, just moving forward as we walk with the Lord, please understand something. When you and I are relating to people and we're trying to break out of the system of the world and function as uh, New Testament believers, the Bible says it's not our job to figure out where they're at. It's our job to 
walk with the Lord and him give us keys to meet that person because he knows where they're at, what they're thinking. Now look at this. He says, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Okay, what does this word futile mean? Well, it comes from two different words. It means every deed. So it says, it's two Greek words, it means every and deed. So he knows that the thoughts of the wise is futile. It means every deed that they participate in. They work towards, their behavior is to be that way, they're they're cunning that they do stuff. It doesn't reach the goal that they're longing for. In fact, the scripture is pretty straightforward that it's selfish. So if I could break it down, what's the system of the world that Jesus, he's given you examples, but what is the system of the world? It's unabashed selfishness. It's self-centered. It just thinks about itself. Now, I think Christians ask this question, and I think it's a good question. Am I ever to think about myself? Yes, when the Lord thinks about you. When the Lord is trying to love on you, and he's trying to help you work through an issue in your life or bring you into a sense of wholeness, you should be thinking about what God is doing in your life. But you shouldn't be so fixated on getting everything you think you need the way you need it. That's the system of the world, and that's a form of futile thinking. Now, where does futile thinking? thinking, actually lead people. So if you and I just say, well, I'm sick of the kingdom. You know, I know Jesus, but I'm going to go back into the system of the world. The Bible's trying to be straightforward with you and I. What is going to be the fruit of this if you pursue this? If you don't break free from this and say, I've, I've had it with that system, I'm going to make a conscious decision to renew my mind. What is going to happen if I don't get serious about it? Well, the Bible actually says that the system of this world and the wisdom of this age leads to isolation, So one of the fruits of this is isolation. The next fruit of isolation, you guys ready? Since you and I were created in the image of God and we were created to be in relationship with people, when I am pulling away from relationships, I am embracing the system of the world of isolation and self-centeredness. That's what it means to be self-centered. I am the focus of the universe. What happens as I embrace isolation in relationships destructive habits start forming inside of me. And then the outcome, the final outcome of this kind of lifestyle isn't people loving me, people wanting to be with me, or people including me in some kind of whole dynamic relationship. It actually means that by the end of my life, if I pursue this, not only will I not know the Lord, I will not know people, and I will basically perish in isolation. There's a contrast, isn't there? Are you guys like I am? Well, there's a whole bunch of us in the church, and we don't know how to act mature, so I feel like the way the church acts with me sometimes, it's hurtful to hang out with the body of Christ. But you guys ready? Even though the body of Christ has to mature in this, and we have to come to a level of wholeness, the reason we stay involved is because in that place... The Lord comes with his mercy and can restore us past all things. If we pull away from it and think, I'm going to stay on neutral ground. Have you guys ever made that decision? Well, I'm not going to go into the system of the world, but I'm not going to hang out with the church. I'm just going to stay neutral. You're either in one kingdom or the other. And you have to embrace both. You have to either embrace the kingdom of God or not embrace it. It's not middle ground. 
When I don't go into the kingdom and go through the dynamic of developing whole relationships, I am moving towards isolation and I'm going back into the system of the world. You know, um, there's something that I get to experience I just want to share with you. When I travel around the world, the United States specifically, but the world uh, over the last 20 years, I've, I've got to have the privilege of being with leaders and different people behind the scenes. And I talk with them. And when they talk with me, they, there's not been a leader yet that I've met that have not got, gone through some damaging, dysfunctional relationship trying to be a leader in the body of Christ. And then, there, and then I talk to the body of Christ, and there's not one Christian that I've met that have not gone through some hurtful, kind of dysfunctional thing in the body of Christ where everybody kind of doesn't want to be with anybody anymore. And yet, in that environment... Jesus can actually come and call you and I to want something better, to think differently about relationship and actually pursue a wholeness in relationship instead of getting discouraged and going back into the system of the world. We think we're protecting ourselves when we go there, but we're actually going into isolation which will destroy our soul. And so... The most courageous thing we can actually learn to practice as believers that keeps us from the system of the world, it's going to be very simple, but it's one of the hardest things you have to practice as a believer. I have to practice forgiving. Now, isn't it easy to forgive non-believers? I expect them to be that way. The hardest practice is with people that name the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's what Paul is trying to address here. He's saying, look, the wisdom of the world says don't, don't embrace forgiveness. Just isolate yourself and, and create groups and cause friction and stuff like that. But it all leads to the same place. That kind of thinking destroys you. It will not bring you what you're longing for. And it's not peace. You do not enter into peace when you go back into that system. You only enter into peace when you... Think the way the Lord is, and you go his direction in his kingdom and refuse to deceive yourself about this path. So you guys ready? We have a question to ask this evening. Are you on the path of not being deceived and embracing the wisdom that God has for you to be whole? Or are you on the path of thinking you're protecting yourself and you've come into a place of deceiving yourself to where you're now entering into a place of isolation. Paul is now addressing you and saying, well, as we go forward in my writing to the Corinthians, even though it's speaking to all of us, he's saying, look, you have the power of God. It's already been given to you. Use it correctly. Let it be set, begin this process of setting you free so that you don't come into deception. All right, would you guys turn your hearts with me in prayer now? Holy Spirit, come. Now, Lord, it's hard for us to recognize if we have been deceived, but we do ask this evening, would you come and let truth arise inside of us? where we've given ourselves to worshiping people or given ourselves to the process of not being in relationship 
or, or not practicing the art of forgiveness, would you begin to just settle on us with the, the presence of your kingdom? Lord, the thorns that are in our soul that cause us to be in pain and respond out of pain, would you begin to pull those thorns out right now? And would you bring your healing salve over our experiences? And the, 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 sense, the sense of being caught, would you break us free from that sense and just bring us into liberty and grace this, season, this evening? Just bring your power, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, could you tell me your name real quick? Yeah. Ray, would you stand for a moment, please? <clears throat> um, during worship, the Lord started just telling me about his love for you. Do you mind if I share that with you? Would that be okay? First thing is this, is uh, the Lord has been, you already recognize this, but part of your gifting is discernment. And God has been developing that for years in your life. And he told me that he, he considers you a prayer warrior in his kingdom. And when he started telling me that, he said that he had actually promised you a move of the Lord that you were going to be a part of and that he had been burdening you with for a while. Is that true? And he wanted me to tell you that um, not only did he give you that burden, but that he doesn't want you to be discouraged in it because he was actually going to do it and you're going to see it in your lifetime. The next one was this. He said that he had put a healing grace on your life and that you've not only been involved in healing, there was a new level of healing that he was going to bring you into. And this is interesting. A lot of times when he tells me about giftedness in people, he tells me the effect they're going to have. But when he started talking to me about the healing ministry in your life, he said it's actually going to bless you first and then it's going to bless other people. And so he wanted me to tell you that he wanted me to point to a passage very specifically that you have been faithful with little and because of that ability, you will be faithful with much, so God's going to trust you with a new level of authority and anointing in the healing area of your life. And so let me, let me, yeah, that's nice of the Lord, isn't it? So let me pray for you. Mind putting out your hands like this? Here we go. Holy Spirit, get your daughter. Just bring your power. Now, Lord, I know, I know what your word is able to do, so engage her heart with it right now. Just release your power over her. In fact, this, this new level, we come into agreement with it, and we say yes to it right now. Take her into the depths of this thing, and don't let this be taken from her. And I command the blessing of the Lord upon you right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you. All right. If you are dealing with asthma this evening, asthma or breathing problems, stand, the Lord wants to minister to you. Asthma or breathing problems, stand, the Lord wants to minister to you. I'm sorry? If you want to stand for someone else, that's fine. But is anyone here dealing with breathing problems or asthma? The Lord wants to minister to you. Thanks. I was wondering if you guys were here. I'm like, did the Lord actually say that to me? So... Please just put your hands out and receive from the Lord. Now, Holy Spirit, bring your power. Just bring your power. Okay. Okay. So, Lord, go to these people right now 
and release your healing virtue to them. And in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I break the power of this weakness and infirmity, and I command it to come off in the name of Jesus. As that you'd release the fire of your presence over their body, and what you have done on the cross, give it to them now, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. I bless your name. Increase it right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. More, more power, Lord. More of your kingdom. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. All right, now, I thought this was kind of interesting. If you're dealing with adrenal fatigue, I thought that was an interesting word. If any of you have ever had someone tell you that, it, what it is is people live so much stressed out that they constantly are in fatigue. That would be one of the signs of adrenal fatigue. If you know you have adrenal fatigue or you're constantly just worn out, no matter what you do, that might be a sign of it. Would you stand? The Lord wants to minister to you. Adrenal fatigue or you have these symptoms of just being exhausted all the time. Okay, please put your hands out and receive from the Lord. Holy Spirit, bring your power right now in the name of Jesus. And I ask, Lord, that you would bring order back over their bodies, come into their thyroid glands, into their adrenal glands, and restore them in the name of Jesus. Just release your power, God. Release your power. I thank you for your goodness, Lord. Now restore them. As that the same law that uh, same law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus would be released over their bodies and that the same power that raised Christ from the dead would touch them right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, is there, I, I felt like Lord showed me this with several people. Is there several people here that are dealing with shoulder problems, specifically shoulder and you have this muscle right here. It goes up to the back of your neck. It's called a trapezius muscle. The Lord was showing me there's some people dealing with just shoulder problems and just back, upper back neck issue problems. Is there people like that? If that's you, would you stand? The Lord wants to minister to you. And I'm sorry. This is like everybody has back problems, right? <laughs> would you mind just putting your hands out like you're receiving a gift? Thank you. Holy Spirit, release your power right now. Just come over their bodies. Move on their skeletal structure and just grab their, their spine and their muscles right now and just pull them back into wholeness in the name of Jesus. I break the power of weakness. I break the power of words that have been spoken over them, that this is just what they have to accept. I break the power of that right now in the name of Jesus. And I ask, Lord, that you would begin to start restoring them. Release your power over them, Lord. Bring their, just grab their, their upper spine and grab their muscles and just pull them back into alignment right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord. Let's wait a few more moments. I just bless your name and thank you for your goodness. Thank you, mighty one. Bless your name. Amen.
Thank you. You may be seated. Here's a woman here named Diane. Diane. Uh, whether she's here or not, I'm going to just go with this. So is there a Diane here or someone known a woman named Diane? Anybody? Do you know one? Do you know if she has sinus problems? Okay, well, let's pray for her. So here's what the Lord gave me. Maybe there's someone online. Who knows? Uh, Diane, you have sinus problems. The Lord's aware of that. He's going to come with his healing power and restore you. And so Holy Spirit, release your power over Diane. Just come over her right now, Lord. And just restore the sinus area in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, I'm going to wrap up here real quick. Um, what's your name? Yeah, both of you, but I actually wanted her. Yeah. Morris? Marlis. Is this your friend right next to you? Do you guys know each other? You do. You do or you don't? A little bit. Okay, well, I had a word for you. Would you stand up? Actually, somehow I saw you guys connected with each other, but I'm going to pray for you specifically. Would you stand? Some of the gifting that's actually resting on her is also resting on you. And I saw you actually in a small group with women, specifically actually in prayer time, and actually asking the Lord to bring breakthrough in people's lives. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you, not only did he call you to that group, he's going to answer those prayers. And the faithfulness that you've been sowing in prayer and intercession, he's going to answer those prayers on your behalf. And so can we just pray for the Lord to meet you? So this prayer group that where they come together and they ask for you to move in families, Lord, I just thank you for that, that you're going to release your power and your presence over them. I command the blessing of the Lord. I ask that you would appear to them in these groups and make yourself known. The power of your kingdom. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. So I don't know if you guys, she said you don't hardly know each other, but some of what's on these two women is also resting on you. Would you stand, please? Um, have you been in leadership before in the body of Christ? Yeah, because there's a leadership anointing on you, and it has to do also with you gathering with women and actually discipling them and training them in the ways of the Lord and actually calling younger women to grow up in the things of the kingdom. Does that make sense to you? Okay, so let's pray the blessing of the Lord. So the Lord is, uh, he's in this season right now to challenge you with his love. There's going to be an anointing that the Lord is going to release over your life. And, and you're going to recognize it as a breakthrough anointing. You're actually going to see the power of the Lord. And this is something you've been asking the Lord for. He's actually going to answer that prayer. And not only is he going to come in power, you're going to start seeing breakthrough in people Two ways. Christians that are not set free, you're going to start seeing them set free. And people that don't know the Lord, you're going to start ministering to them. And they're going to start coming to the Lord by the power of the presence of the Lord that's going to show up in your midst. Does that make any sense to you? Okay, so good. So, Father, we just ask that you'd come with your power and your presence over your daughter. Release your goodness over her, Lord. I thank you for your blessing upon them. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, this work that you're doing, we say yes and amen to it. Now let it come. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you. All right, let me pray a blessing over you, and then I will be wrapping up. So please receive the blessing of the Lord. By the way, if you need prayer for anything else, please just come up and grab some. I'm sure there will be some people up here. If you need prayer, please come up and let us pray for you, okay? Please receive the blessing of the Lord. Lord, would you now fall on us, draw near to us, Help us see where you're going and let us pick up our cross and follow you. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face to you 
and give you shalom. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.